0: God, to the mission field um, or to uh, maybe to a different city um, or to another area of the country or to another area of the world, the heart and the mind of the individuals that are called are flooded with both excitement and trepidation. A long journey, it seems, is ahead of them. They might be single or they might be starting off married They might be just starting a family with little ones. Sometimes there's some hesitation. Of course, God orchestrates these moves because when they step out of their comfort zone in their house or their city, God is with them. But there's always those in the background that warn how hard it's going to be. How cold not only the north might be, but how cold the people might be. No, it might be hot where you're going to go, to. Do you understand that? And, there's, and the people might not be so cold either. You know, they might be a little hot-headed, too. You know, there's always those people that when you try to step out in faith, there's people that are going to, you know, they, they think, and, and, hey, I'm going to raise my hand because I know they think they're doing you a, a, a justice, right? They're like, you know, oh, i got to warn you. I, I, I visit there one time, and I got sunburned, so watch it. Something like that, right? Sometimes, though, stepping out feels like an arranged marriage. At first, it's impersonal, a mandate requiring an act of obedience rather than a choice born of human passion. Oh, man, it's great in the prayer room. It is awesome there. Then God says, you're going to Africa. Or, or whoa, okay, all right, I'm excited. And then you get there, right? And, of course, uh, the first several weeks or months almost played out just like the naysayers said it would. Right? The water pipes break. The heater dies. Or if you're in the south, southern hemisphere, there's no AC. The iguanas are everywhere. So you get industrial fans out to cool you down or you start shoveling snow because God has called you here to bring revival to this little village or this big city or a small town in the middle of nowhere. And the next few years require many adjustments, having transitioned from what you were used to to well, um, to well, where God has brought you. Like, whoa, okay. It's very different from anything that you might have imagined or maybe you might have even chosen. But God in his mercy begins showering you with a series of incredible hard-to-believe promises. Because, you see, God had promised you things when you went. When you were in that prayer room, he promised you many victories and miracles and a bountiful harvest. And of course, the enemy, the devil, discourages you, discourages you even when God blesses. Sometimes it's even though you might question what God is doing in your life. Why has he spoken to you? And then it happens. Something gradually changes on the inside. Several years after moving you have the opportunity to visit where you came from. Maybe you were on a mission field and you went back to the United States. Or maybe you were on the East Coast and you went back to the West Coast where you live. And while you're there visiting, you realize that you have fallen in love with your new home because of God. And in fact, now you prefer the winding roads and maybe the rock walls or maybe the city streets or the Four Seasons. The hot uh, weather isn't so bad and the iguanas taste like chicken. And you love chicken. Right? Somewhere along the way your place of ministry has changed. And and from being impersonal, your field has changed to just a assigned location to a personal territory. The heart uh, the mission moved from your head to your heart and that changed that change made all the difference. The heart connection is deeper than the head connection. It can be a powerful glue that marries someone to a person, a place, or a thing. And so knowing this, and I just told you that, that, that story, knowing this, God makes it his goal to anchor every believer in him deep in the heart, not just the head. So as we go through this lesson this morning, I want you to understand that God wants us to, us to move from the head knowledge of God into the heart. And you'll see how that is Pentecost and Pentecost Sunday and the harvest of Pentecost as we say. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Remembering our remembering our past blessings and worshiping God can change our mind and the atmosphere of our hearts. God knows our frame and since he wanted to help the Israelites appreciate the many things that he had done for them, he instituted uh, several, um, In fact, seven annual religious feasts, and the Feast of Pentecost was one of them, to help celebrate two things, the harvest and the giving of the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses. Pentecost was designed to, call pe- to cause people to pause and recognize God's provision. It was an exercise in being thankful. Kind of uh, much like our traditions, we say grace before dinner or the beginning, uh, beginning each day in prayer. It was a time to choose to, appetite, uh, to appreciate, not appetite, God fills our appetite too. Something, even if emotions weren't really there, God put this in place. Let's celebrate this anyways. Let's get How many has done that before? Come to church, you know, woo, we're not completely there, but we begin to, begin to worship God and praise God and other people. And you know what? Other people can sense you're not all there. It's not a secret. We think it is. Oh, no, oh, he's, they're not having a great day. Okay, let's pray for them. So hopefully they, we, they, we can feed off of that as well, too. It was a time to, uh, to choose this. Pentecost also highlighted what uh, a great gift the Mosaic Law was from God to his people, to help humanity live with God-pleasing morals and values. History proves this. Nations that have followed God's morals and values and, and his his design, his law have prospered. But as soon as they waver, veer off that track, then we see how nations can fall and get these crazy ideals in their heads and start doing these crazy things. Or they start destroying things and invading things and bombing things and or doing things or becoming immoral. And we see that basically in almost all the nations. And then you look back at the root. They have wavered. They have They have gotten off the path from God. True believers do not seek to outwit God's word. They eagerly embrace them as guiding principles. You can't outthink God. You're not going to win an argument with God. Amen. God honors us sometimes when we ask for things and we do things. My honor but he's more than likely teaching us a lesson. By setting aside time to praise and pray and worship as a a corporate body, we show our gratitude to God who has blessed and provided for and saved us. We celebrate by honoring God with tithes and offerings because we understand the true source of all their blessings. Our, our, the lesson is not about tithes and offerings, but I want to tell you that, um, I, and I've said this before, the, the more you give, the more you have a heart of giving, whether it's in uh, a monetary status or of your, yourself, God will bless you even more. The Bible says that. It's just, a, it's just a mathematical, God's mathematical concept, his theory. He will open up the windows of heaven, the Bible says. So I mentioned earlier about how nations kind of, uh, kind of uh, veered off the path, the true path of God and living for God. But today is not the only period of time that humanity's inability or lack of willpower uh, uh, came to fruition, and they did not accept God's laws. No matter how good or right those laws might be, humanity has failed God throughout. We can read it throughout the Bible. The pull of the flesh in the world seemed to eventually overwhelm even the most principled believers. When reading the Old Testament, which was life under the, uh, the covenant, the Old Covenant, it becomes clear that many people begin to follow God with, a great, with great intentions, only to be sidetracked by flesh or temptation. Even believers who lined up with the law seemed to fall short. The law successfully highlighted now, this is funny. The, the law successfully highlighted the corruption of humanity. You can even teleport into this century. We have a law, and we have those that break the law. Especially with everything that has been happening in the last week or so, we realize how evil that human humanity can be. Not all of humanity. Don't, don't, don't throw a blanket over, over one situation and call it everything and everybody is doing this. It's evil. There's people that are evil, people that need God in their lives. Thank God for our churches. Thank God for our outreach. Thank God for our missions and our home missions and our, and our worldly mission, world missions. Thank God for that because there's people out there that need God to intervene before they do something crazy and evil. uh, So through Jeremiah, the Lord promised a new covenant. So God had this great ideal, a better ideal. Even before creation, he had this ideal of a new covenant. His plan was to conquer sin and give humanity the power they needed to be true children of God. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God revealed his plans to establish a new covenant. Uh, And we see this in in Jeremiah 31, uh, the first, uh, 31 through 34. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. He's saying, I did this. I basically took them by the hand and led them. Yet they still broke my covenant. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, right? Hey, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. But this shall be thy covenant. That I will make thee, or make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin No more. Uh, Verse 33 says, I will put my law into their inward parts. It's also translated into their minds, into their head, their head knowledge, their mind. This verse points out divine knowledge that comes from reading and understanding God's word. Paul even spoke about it when he explained it like this, the, the renewing of your mind. Instead of uh, being in a relationship with a movement or a denomination or a set of doctrines, God intends for believers to be in a relationship with Him. I heard it, I can't remember if it was Brother Morgan or another message that I read or I listened to about, hey, why don't we start talking about the King and our relationship with God? Sometimes, us people that's been in church and the oneness all the time. We want to start, or at least somewhere interject about baptism in Jesus' name and oneness and all that, which is great. That's Bible. You can't make it to heaven without being baptized in Jesus' name. I believe that. I believe that right now, or being filled with the Holy Ghost. But why not, because some people get turned off real quick, but why don't we just say, hey, you know what, let's just talk about Jesus. Let's Talk about how much he loves you, how much he wants to encourage you, how much he, and how he died for you, and how he wants to save you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And he wants you to be in a relationship with him. You can live, you can drive your car, you can go to work, you can do all these other things and, and great, and you can go out and go down and fishing and all this other stuff, but but he wants a relationship with you. I used to sing that song, Jesus, you're the center of my joy, I think it was, right? Yeah, you're the center. He wants to be the center. The phrase, write it on a heart, speaks of the experience, speaks of experience. The difference between head knowledge and heart experience can be illustrated like this. Uh, Sarah, if you would put that food picture up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I can show you this picture, and you can just look at it. Or I could drive you to Chili's, and you can bite into the wonderfulness of this big mouth bacon rancher and experience all the lovely ingredients that some beautiful soul put into it. I will give can I give you a little secret? So I'm I'm probably I think I'm the heaviest I've been in a while in a long time or in my life. Okay, I just told you that. (laughs) That might be one of the reasons. My office is like less than a block away from Chili's. And you know, COVID and all that other stuff. That was our go to. Just all you gotta do is park in spot number three and tell them you're there. Okay, before anybody starts you can you can put that take that off. The new covenant allows humanity to experience God. We don't want to just see him. We don't want to just come. You remember how we used to say, don't come to church and just be a sideline spectator. Get into the Super Bowl. Jump into the action. Get in with God. Experience him. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Taste and see. Don't just look. It's okay. You go into a china shop, you can look but don't touch. No, no, you can touch. Reach out and touch God. Amen. This kind of relationship can only be developed through a series of intimate encounters with God. That's why it's important for churches to provide opportunities for people to worship passionately, respond emotionally to the priest's word and move in the spirit and god moves in the lives of his people as we move in the spirit i don't think that i have to come up here and do a, give a pep talk for our church to move in the spirit we don't we don't we don't have to we need that but every day in our lives are we doing that are we praying my uh, friend and i were talking about prayer and we're talking about how constantly we're thinking in the day and you get distracted by a lot of things but you're you get in the car and there's a Bible verse right there, or there's our church, our church uh, barcode uh, that I, I sit there with me all the time. I remind it of, uh, to pray for the church, to pray for this, to, to go out. And you're just, you're praying all the time. You're trying to get into a place of worship and a relationship with God. You want, you need to do that. Yes, we get distracted. Yes, I'm working on a computer, and my mind is focused on what I'm doing. But then I can sit back and breathe and say, thank you, Lord. God help me. I think, I think, and I don't, I don't want to abuse this or embarrass you guys or anything like that. But when we get a text like we got on Friday about Everly, actually, I, I, I had, I had heard just a few minutes before that, um, I think from Nay had called me, and uh, but when we are in the mindset of Christ, we can immediately go from work to on our knees to prayer. When that happens. Because we have a relationship that we've experienced over and over. We have experienced a relationship with God over and over. Pentecost. It's an experience. You used to do that, right, brother? Bishop used to say, it's not a denomination, it's an experience. So God chose this day of Pentecost after Jesus' ascension as the chosen time to to fulfill his promise. Remember, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will be the Holy Spirit. I will come into you. And he used Pentecost in Acts 2, the first four verses, very familiar to us. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them a clove tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. God's spirit, the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost was that, right there, verse number four, uh, three. And verse number four said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Renee and I were in a David and the Giants concert with little Alex, right? Way a long time ago, back in the, back in the 90s. So it was like 91, Right? And afterwards, we were in a—it was the eighty-eight point one FM Jacksonville Christian Radio Radio Station—and they brought us all back. I, we were the youth pastors, so we're like, "Hey, we're gonna go see what's going on." So we got back, and we got us all in a big circle in a room about half this size. They said, "Listen, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. If you've never done that, just listen to us, and we'll tell you how to do it." And I said, "I've heard about this, but I've never seen it." And did they what? They started. Doing jabbering and acting like they're speaking in tongues. No, no. See, God has to give you that. People ask, Do you speak in tongues? Well, God, God speaks through me, He gives me the Spirit. That's Him. He uses my tongue. So, yes, I do. I'm not ashamed. Right? So, but you have to understand, God does that. They did more than just look at a picture. They bit in, they tasted it and see, saw that God was good. They experienced God on the day of Pentecost. I'm glad we can do that every day. Not only when it come on Sundays and Thursdays, we can do it every day of the week. So on the day of Pentecost, a new and better covenant was sealed. The new covenant is based on the finished work of Calvary. Under the new covenant, God provides everything we need to succeed. Uh, believers will believers provide the will, and God provides the way. Living under the New Testament is better than the old. Much like the difference between an old job and a new job for a particular uh, a person, uh, a certain guy he he had a job, but this. This job, this time, this summer that he went in, it was a lot more interesting and more fun. And, and he, he, was, he was more encouraged. He, he felt better. He, he did, uh, he just worked better. He just felt encouraged. He enjoyed better pay, better working conditions, better benefits. See, he got promoted. He had a new and better contract. He was still required to show up and work diligently, but his quality of life had just taken a great leap forward. I'm glad I don't live under the old law. But it doesn't mean I, have to, I stop working. Now, of course, we're, we're in the 20, uh, 21st century. We don't know anything. We've never experienced that. We've never experienced having to drag, try to find your best sheep and drag it up into an altar and make sure that it's without spot or blemish. We've never done that or not. I'm so glad we don't do that. But it doesn't mean we can just look and not taste. It doesn't mean we can just sit on the sidelines. We have to participate. We have to experience. If we want the new covenant with God, I'm saying. Um, Believers choose to live in covenant with God and allow Him to fill them with the Spirit. Their quality of life greatly improves when they do this. It does not mean that you know, in a sense, if physical, we're going to get better pay at work. Or I'm not saying that's going to happen. It will, though. It can. It will. I'm a living testimony right here. I've, in less than a year, I got a 12% pay raise. And a bonus on top of that. In the middle, right after COVID, even. So I, I know that. I, God blesses. I know he does. But I will allow the Holy Ghost to empower me to live the way God wants me to. Amen. Musicians, you guys can come on up here. I'm, I'm only about 30 minutes away. I'm joking. Actually, I, a little quicker than I thought. When God poured out his spirit on the disciples in the upper room, those who witnessed this amazing event, they had a lot of questions as we see, and we're going to read uh, this in verse uh, acts 2 verse 37 through 39 when they heard this they were pricked in the hearts in other words they whoa wait a second hey what's going on here they were uh, they their their ears went up their eyebrows raised and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what happens is when, when you repent and you ask God, Ah oh, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, then you go into the water. God washes your sins away because you are being baptized in the name of Jesus. And it's a great thing. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling to understand that God loved you so much that he died on a cross that you might be able to have your sins forgiven and washed away in baptism. Verse 39 For the promise is unto you. Remember the promise we talked about? God said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come back to you. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the promise. The promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That is why we are still filled with the Holy Ghost today. That is why we still speak in tongues, because this promise is to everybody post The initial Pentecost. Now, it wasn't the first Pentecost that ever happened, but this was the Pentecost. This day, God decided to pour out His Spirit. The same advice still applies today. God gives the invitation to everyone. Those who humble themselves and obey His Word will uh, be provided the resources and power they need to live an abundant life. And let me say this real quick. It wasn't in my notes. Those who humble themselves... If you don't think it's tough, maybe you, you were never that horrible sinner. And so that you just came in and went down and printed, uh, repented and everything was great. But there's some people, do you understand, that are stubborn. They've done horrible things in their lives. They know they've done things. Uh, my wife took care of a, uh, a, I think, a guard at a Nazi concentration camp. That he was miserable and he could never forgive himself. For what he did. He was miserable and he could never get over that I'm sorry phase. And so people come with that kind of stuff in their lives and it's tough sometimes. And so when we have an experience and we taste what God has in our lives, we are more apt to be able to pray with them in the spirit instead of just saying, come on, he's so stubborn, he's never going to do anything. No, there's things in their lives just like it was for some of us. That we, that we just did some horrible things in our lives. And, and, and it was hard to do that. So it is a humbling experience to, to be able to come to the front or to be able to lift your hands at first, right? It is. However, because sin, and not only what people have done, but sometimes what things have done to them, people have done to them work has done to them other churches might out in the world have done to them maybe they have this they throw this blanket over all churches but you don't love me all you're worried about is money and all that you've heard those things right before they or or they were really abused by somebody sin has abused humanity to the point that many have trouble even trusting God but those who do open their hearts wide to God will not be disappointed You throw that next picture of Ralphie up there, Sarah. So Ralphie wasn't supposed to live after the couple that owned him just didn't like his legs the way they were. So they brought him to the vet to have him put down because of the deformity in his legs. And you can see uh, Ralphie up there. But the vet refused to put him to sleep that's when he was rescued by a young lady, and he stayed with her for a couple years. And not too long after being rescued, he slipped and fell down some stairs and hurt his back legs, and they became paralyzed. Uh, he still was able to get around eventually, and uh, his hind legs started to improve a little bit and even used them to walk again. However, after a suspected abuse by a boyfriend... Ralphie once again lost the feelings in his back legs. Thank goodness the young lady ended this relationship with this boyfriend. But also started to realize that Ralphie needed more help than just what she could give him. And so she found, out a, nonpro- found a nonprofit organization called Journey's End Animal sanctuary, sanctuary up near Orlando. Um, a place of restoration and healing that would provide assistance and love. Sounds like Church place of restoration and healing. And of course, the new chapter wouldn't be easy. So Ralphie took a hard, uh, he, he had a little bit of a hard time adjusting to different people at, at well. Wasn't sure what to do, especially after he got hurt. But they brought him there. And uh, uh, even though the young lady treated Ralphie with love and respect, trust, trusting somebody else is a big, is a step. It's It's a big step, especially for those who, have experienced being hurt, and uh, my iPad decided it was going to sleep, especially for those. I will tell you that Ralphie, though, became a success. You might even have seen this on Facebook. He was loved so much that he became the poster dog of this organization and is still featured on their website. Some of you know who Ralphie is. He even had some procedures done because this was a nonprofit. Uh, they came in and they helped him out. And he, he got most of his mobility back on his hind legs. Let's stand today. I know this story well because Ralphie stayed with us for a while. And the young lady who I was talking about that first rescued him was my daughter Erin. And just as abused dogs or, or animals are often hesitant to be helped people who have been abused in life are sometimes hesitant to surrender to God. Sometimes, and there are people here that understand this with me, sometimes we were on the other end, though. We were the abusers. Right? And it's still tough to understand and think that, how could God forgive me? But He can't. He has. He will. If you have been beat up, by life it might be hard to imagine a life of being loved and empowered but that's the life that God offers us. I've done things wrong in my life. I've had things done things done wrong to me in my life you might be thinking. God wants to empower you. He wants to have a relationship that new covenant. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. The path to a relationship with God starts with many prayer and altar experiences. It will often mean becoming vulnerable to uh, when God's word is being preached. In other words, you have to have an open mind, an honest heart when you hear the word of God being preached. When you talk to somebody and when you talk to somebody else, that you need to understand that humbleness. Some people don't want to get to that place when you're witnessing and talking to them. They want to be reserved. Sometimes it takes a few times to talk to somebody just to break the ice. But God has called us to do that. It may be a challenge to let God take you from a head-based faith. I know about Jesus. I've heard about it. I see it. I hear on the radio. I listen to the songs. Oh, I see it on TV. I've seen this. Oh, somebody talked to me. I've seen the track. Somebody has... A thing in the in, in the break room it says God loves you. I know that. That's hit. Sometimes the transition to the heart, it, it is a little challenging. And so when we go out into the world and we reach when we reach our neighborhoods and we we have a guest that comes in here, we have to understand that sometimes it is challenging for them. But God wants to have a Pentecost experience with all of us, with everyone. The benefits will be amazing. And the results will be eternal. Aren't you glad for Pentecost? Why don't we lift our hands and just worship him right now. Lord, I love you, Jesus.